Hello gamers. You're listening to the Three Moves Ahead podcast. I am your interim host, Bruce Garrick, sitting in for Rob Zachney. And today I have one of our founding original panelists, video game journalist, colleague, and noted leftist, Tom Chick. If I can get every, anyone, everyone, uh, a nice cup of left-wing Obama coffee, uh, let me know. I would be happy to do that. Excellent. We'll take orders. Uh, and uh, there will be a link to that at the bottom of the podcast. Real, real quick, before you introduce uh, folks, because I think this is topical, you hear this noise right here? You know what that is? What's that? That is a big, fat, spiral-bound Dominions 3 manual that is never far from my desktop, so I can always pick it up and make that hearty <laughs> slapping noise if I need to. I love Excellent. this thing. Perfect. Well, uh, that's good that you have that with you because you can uh, you can say hello to uh, the designers of Dominions 3 and Dominions 4, the upcoming Dominions 4. And Dominions uh, 1 and Sweden. 2. Don't forget those. And exactly, in Dominions 1 and 2. Uh, from Sweden, we have Johan Carlsen. Hello, everyone. And we have Christopher Ostermann. Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for uh, joining us. We, uh, we're spanning nine time zones. And I'm glad we oh. could get everybody together for this. Can I do something that I've always wanted to do? This this might sound nonsensical to people who haven't seen John Carpenter's 1982 movie, The Thing. But I've always wanted to be able to call out, hey, Swedes! And I'm sure that there are at least at least two or three people in the audience who got that reference. I certainly hope wow. so. I, I do. <laughs> Okay, good. Well, uh, so we can we can talk about movies. Also, we can uh, talk about Ingmar Bergman as much as you want. Um, so, guys, um, I'm just going to jump right into this because uh, I'll, I'll introduce for some of our uh, listeners who haven't played the Dominion series. I think I have a feeling a fair number have, but um, the Dominion series uh, actually goes back, gosh, to when when did the when did uh, Priests, Prophets, and Pretenders come out? Was that um, 2001? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but we started uh, making it uh, about four years earlier. You st- you stopped making it four years? Oh, so you're saying you released it after it had been done for four years? <laughs> uh, on the contrary, uh, we started. <laughs> oh, you started making it. Sorry, okay. Uh, so um, so you'd made it. So basically, uh, that's the game. So that's the game that you guys came up with when um, after, uh, Christopher, you had gone on a long walk, uh, from my understanding. Uh, in the uh, designer's notes, the, one of my favorite things... Uh, I've, for as full disclosure, I wrote the uh, manual for Dominions 3, and I'm also writing it for Dominions 4, um, although it won't be coming out in this uh, big spiral-bound edition since the game will be downloadable. But um, uh, my, one of my favorite parts of making that manual was the designer's notes that Christopher wrote, and he kind of went through... Christopher, you just gave a whole history of how you guys uh, talked about um, the uh, the development of your ideas of games you took a long walk in 1997, the uh, pilgrimage to uh, Compostela, and uh, you um, thought about a whole bunch of things, bug wars with ants, uh, space wars, and you guys finally came up with, uh, with dominions. Uh, can, you, can you tell me any, any more about that, about how, why you guys settled on such a thing? Dominions 3, uh, or Dominions, we, we started with another game uh, before that, uh, Conquest of Elysium. Mm. And... Uh, after we had finished that, we wanted to make, I think it was uh, a combat uh, game with simulation, yeah, with the fantasy troops. So we started to make some kind of 
combat simulation with the magics and troops. A little bit like uh, Fancy General or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you had you had um, uh, very, it was very detailed uh, because that became the basis for uh, for Dominions, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So after we had made the, the small strategy with only combats, then we wanted to. We wanted to expand it so you could conquer territories and uh, have a lot of other things. So that's when Dominions came. Yeah, and and that was so the 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 comp- Did you guys ever have a? Um, did you guys ever have any of these games sort of as board games, or did you uh, like a physical implementation, or did you guys go straight to just have a, a, a computer uh, version? Uh, we had a, a computer version, but uh, a lot of inspiration uh, on my part came from uh, board games like uh, Great uh, Battles of Alexander and uh, mm-hmm. SPQR um, mm-hmm. by, I don't know what company made them, but uh, uh, where... GMT. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, that's right. So uh, part of the uh, inspiration on leaders and uh, squads came from uh, those uh, games. But I think we uh, had uh, one idea on a space game before we started on Dominions, uh, a bit inspired by, what do you call it, um, Masters of Orion. And uh, we mm-hmm. quite liked the Master of Orion ideas on research. Uh, and uh, yeah, right. that was uh, when we started thinking about how research should work in Dominions, we were uh, looked a bit at uh, Masters of Orion. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was quite fun. In Master of Orion, you had... Uh, you got to choose between three different things each time you did a research. So mm-hmm. we had that uh, at first in Dominion, so you got to choose between three spells. You got one of the spells and you didn't get the other two. Mm. And uh, later it uh, turned out that that didn't work very well for Dominion, so we scrapped it. Right, yeah, you would have had, uh, you would have been, we've been pretty limited in, in what you could do based on how you had the multiple uh, uh, branches and, and, and magic paths you guys At that time, yeah. we didn't have any um, uh, schools. We just had the paths. Oh, so, um, oh really? Uh, okay. Um, that was an earlier system that uh, was scrapped when we got the idea on the uh, more, um, yeah, with the paths and the schools. Yeah, but it was still quite limiting as you could only use one third of the spells that you can now. Right. Oh, John and Christopher, to tie this into sort of the bigger picture of the the evolution of Dominions from the first game to the fourth game, which is technically out now. You can pre-order it and start playing the beta. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys, between between yourselves, were to pick the three things that have changed the most between Dominions 1 and Dominions 4, sort of the... Because the, the kernel of the game has has stayed very true throughout the four games. Um, but what three things would you say have been the biggest changes over the course of the four Dominions games? I'd say one thing that has changed that I miss the most since uh, Dominions 1 is uh, that the map did uh, change when your Dominion spread on the world. So uh, the map would uh, was pixelated and uh, each pixel represented forest or wasteland or plains and uh, each pixel uh, was changed depending on how your dominion scales uh, uh, affected the land so uh, maps would change and you could see where uh, Pangea uh, had its territories since uh, those provinces were covered in forests uh, and that is uh, not possible in the uh, in dominions 2, 3 and 4 
unfortunately. And I presume that was a casualty of the way that you guys build maps from from images. Um, yeah, the new maps look a lot better. So that's one that's thing. That's another what, thing that has changed. Yeah. What are, What are two other things that over the course of the the game's progression have changed most dramatically? The size of uh, everything. everything. <laughs> uh, there, there are so much more now. There is a huge amount of spells and nations and units compared to the first one, and the number of abilities is very huge. So, I have to say, it makes for some very uh, what what you might call sexy bullet points to be able to say, you know, eight hundred unique units, twelve hundred <laughs> spells, five hundred <laughs> unique magic items, uh, and it can be. And this is part of both the game's charm and what's daunting about it. Uh, it can be a bit overwhelming. Um, just the amount of yes. content in here. And when you first come to it, uh, it's easy enough to just restrict yourself to playing one faction against one faction. But it's a huge, enormous toy box of, of just faction and spells and units. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine over the course of the four games, you guys have just poured so many ideas and pieces into this toy box, haven't you? Yes, uh, definitely. And uh, I've been a lot more thorough when I do new nations and when I do new units compared to when we started in Dominions 1. So everything is more, I'd say, more researched and more, I've put more of my imagination into stuff than I did in Dominions 1, I'd say. Well, the, the imagination, I think, is a huge part of what makes the game attractive for me uh, i don't know what makes it attractive for you tom but i have a feeling that there's a there's a big part that uh wants to see you know new nations uh new themes you put so much um you put so much effort and clearly thought into how you develop each nation that it kind of creates this it's a very unique world it's not it's not in no way is it cliched that you sort of avoid all the fantasy tropes that are easy to fall into and instead uh, just come up with these amazingly um, just well thought out and kind of compelling uh, individual settings for each nation. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about how you, you come up with, you've, you've, you've written a great uh, background for the, uh, the manual, which uh, people who buy the, manu- buy the game can, can read. But uh, what, 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 what comes into your head to, to start a, a new nation and, and what do you think about? Uh, a lot of... Uh myths and uh, history religions and uh, I've been playing role playing games for um, since I was um, 12 years old so uh, a lot of inspiration from um, ideas from uh, role playing games uh, during uh, my uh, entire life I'd say and um, a lot of uh, inspiration from uh, uh, myths and uh, re- history of religion and uh, uh, pantheons and etc. and history from uh, all over the world. I'm quite interested in history and particularly history of religion. Yeah, you seem to have quite. You seem to have. A, do you have a professional background in history of religions, or is this just all? Because I mean, you you seem to have like your references are incredibly uh, detailed and 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 deep. Uh, I was just wondering how how you 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 came about to have that. I have studied uh, history of religion for uh, a couple of years, and uh, I am a teacher uh, at, uh, I don't know what it's called in America, high school, uh, 15, Mm -hmm. 16, 17 year old kids. And Uh uh, I am a teacher in uh, religion, uh, social sciences, and uh, math. So um, Ah. I've I've had a lot of um, religious religious studies um, uh, done during my. (laughs) 
uh, Christopher, I'm 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 dying to know, Christopher, if uh, the students in your class know what you've done. Do they do they know about Dominions? Don't don't they think that's incredibly cool, or are they too young to appreciate it? They do think it's cool. <laughs> I'd say um, one of my first classes. Uh, some students were uh, the first one that discovered <laughs> Dominion's uh, one uh, cracked and uh, uh, put on a Russian uh, home site. <laughs> um, <I watched> Wait, <laughs> your student, one of your own students, pirated your game? Uh, no, he uh, he discovered that it was pirated. And oh, he, he discovered the crack. Oh, good, good. Okay, because I was about to say, I hope he didn't get a pass. <laughs> uh, well, to tie into what, what Bruce mentioned, Christopher, uh, one of the new things in Dominions 4... Uh, I'm pretty sure there are some new factions in here. What, what I would love to hear is you uh, telling us about one of the new factions in Dominions 4 and how it developed in your head, what inspired it, how you translated it into gameplay. Can you sort of talk us through the creation of a faction by specifically talking about one of the new factions in Dominions 4? I'll settle for Berytos. I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, but uh, I, I call it burritos. You're making it sound like something I get at Taco Bell. Uh, but, <laughs> what bur, bur, burritos? Something like that. Yeah, Bruce, do you know this faction? Can can you say the name of it? Uh, I I would say it the way you guys said it, so I have no <laughs> okay. further insight. But I'm I'm dying to know about, okay, yes. more about it. Tell us about these guys. Uh, let's call them Phoenicians. Uh, some uh, I I had an idea that I would uh, would like to make uh, a new um, faction uh, in the early era that was uh, inspired by uh, the Phoenicians and uh, that could sail and that were human. Uh, quite a lot of nations in the early era is uh, are mythical giant-sized beings and uh, not so many humans. And I would like to have uh, another nation that was. Uh, uh, more human in its um, setup. The Phoenicians is an interesting um, nation historically, and um, uh, there are several. Um, you can find a lot of Canaanite, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Canaan, Canaanite, Canaanite yeah. um, mm -hmm. inspiration and uh, divinities and uh, culture and. Uh, since um, an earlier nation of uh, Hinnom and Gath uh, and Ashdod was um, partially influenced by uh, Canaanite, Canaanite, that's how it's it. Mythology and uh, biblical traditions. Uh, it was. Um, uh, I got the idea that um, uh, those two nations uh, could have had some. Um, uh, inter uh, some some kind of connection and uh, influenced each other in in the game, and uh, I've always thought that uh, those nations that uh, that has some kind of contact with each other are easier to make uh, a bit uh, more interesting. Uh, so cross references between uh, different nations uh, are more fun than uh, just a single nation uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so, a bit of inspiration from uh, the earlier nation of Hinnom and Ashdod, and uh, uh, some Phoenician inspiration, some from um, from Canaanite uh, mythology and uh, uh, the seafaring peoples. And uh, then I got some ideas of the regarding uh, where the sea peoples of um, um, 
of eastern Mediterranean areas and uh, perhaps the Hyksos in Egypt uh, were um, influenced by uh, uh, immigration from uh, Greek uh, islands or uh, Greece or something. Um, so I picked some uh, ideas and mythology stuff from uh, uh, ideas on uh, the, the Telkins. I don't know how you pronounce mm -hmm. it, but... Um, Telkins, tel yeah, sure. something. Okay. Something, yeah, uh, storm demons from um, uh, Greek uh, myth. Uh, some, <laughs> something like that. And uh, um, put everything in one uh, big... Uh, what do you call it? One big yeah, box? <laughs> like that. Well, tell me this. So one of the things I think that's interesting about Dominions is that you guys really... Um, there are clearly parts of the game. You guys... It seems to me that you designed the game from a, from a standpoint of really trying to build factions and, and tell interesting stories with the units, and you're not quite that worried about how they're completely balanced. Um, and that, which is, you know, that's fine. That's certainly a legitimate design uh, strategy. I'm just wondering how much you guys think about, you know, if you're going to make a new faction, whether... I think, oh well, that you know, this if this faction has sailing or this faction has these kinds of mages, uh, it's going to have the you know a certain effect on the overall game balance. Or do you feel that you know making something that's really thematic and fits well with what you're trying to convey from a background standpoint um, is is what makes it a success? Yeah, I think we 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 skip the balance uh, for a start and. Uh... We make uh, the nations uh, with their all their new abilities like we want them, and uh, mm -hmm. then we play a bit, see if it works <laughs> out. Got it. So, so, so I'm sure some some nations they are not balanced, like uh, Armor Ashen Empire, for instance. Mm -hmm. They are at least very powerful if you play against a computer, mm -hmm. and they are quite different. But uh, it's fun with uh, some different uh, nations. And uh, since we have made about uh, 70 uh, different nations, uh, if you uh, account for all eras, uh, we've got uh, quite an idea on uh, what is uh, powerful and what is not. So uh, it's not mm -hmm. that difficult to make uh, a rough balance, but uh, uh, if you add a new uh, feature, a new special power for a nation, it uh, might very well uh, be difficult to balance it. So. As long as it just uh, it it is just the uh, regular units and mages of uh, similar levels as other nations, it's not that hard to balance. But uh, if you include some kind of new mechanic like uh, uh, reanimation uh, on the mm -hmm. Dominion, uh, like Asphodel, the new uh, Pangean nation, uh, it uh, it is uh, a bit harder to make it uh, uh, yeah, balanced in the in the start. So I mean, I think that. Um, one of the things that kind of plays in your favor in that sense is that you guys have always been very open to modding and uh, you're able to, um, uh, you know, just people have modded the game heavily and there have been mods specifically addressed, uh, which is specifically addressed balance, like the competitive balance mod. Um, do you do you guys think about stuff like that and think, oh, well, heck, you know, if this, if this doesn't quite work out, somebody will mod it anyway? Um, no, we, we try to make the game... Uh playable as it, as it is. Uh, we like to play it as well, and uh, we use the vanilla version, <laughs> the unmodded version. Um, 
but uh, it's it's great to have the modding there because everyone doesn't want the game the same way so and uh, people are quite uh, fond of making uh, uh, the conceptual balance mod for example is a uh, uh, might be a very good uh, balanced uh, mod for those who uh, multiplayers who play against uh, others. So uh, it is it, mm -hmm. modding is good for uh, balancing the game, but uh, we want it to be at least uh, somewhat balanced uh, for ourselves as well. And f and for us, the, it's the other mods that are fun, the ones that add uh, new nations like uh, the Warhammer nations and uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's uh, quite fun to check out and get some new nations nations for the game. When we right, play people, it. people definitely want to mod in their own, uh, uh, their own uh, favorite fantasy uh, fantasy settings. How do you feel about that, Tom? Uh, I, I'm waiting for the Lord of the Rings mod, of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like that as well. There's got to be one of those already, right? I mean, surely. Uh, I think there have been multiple that have been started, and I just on the boards over the years, I've seen people that start posting sort of their 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 um, you know entry into the mod field. Here's my sort of Lord of the Rings mod. Um, okay, but, can, I, uh, can I change my answer then? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm waiting for the Game of Thrones mod. Surely, <laughs> oh, surely no one's done that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm curious over because uh, a company like Blizzard who creates uh, a game that has a strong multiplayer component, they spend literally years balancing something like StarCraft. Um, over the course of Dominion's lifetime, as far as trying to make this moderately fair for, as a multiplayer game, because that's a huge draw for the community, what factions have given you the, the most difficult time in terms of balancing them, making them fair in multiplayer? I'm thinking, for instance, of that undead faction. I know the few times that I've played multiplayer, there was a perception that whoever picked, is it Ermor, Emor? Yes. Uh, whoever there's a perception that whoever picked that race, everybody had to gang up on that guy because if he, if you let him get too much of a head of steam, he would just win the game and beat everyone. So part of the balance was almost this separate meta level where players know, okay, you can't let Ermor get too powerful. Everybody gang up on him. So that when you choose that nation, there's almost a built-in balance of people knowing it's too powerful and ganging up on you. That is, uh, I'd say, part of uh, what makes it uh, not as important to make uh, each nation balanced, because uh, if uh, everyone knows what factions are played, uh, it is easier to recognize, aha, that player is uh, uh, his place in that nation, and that nation is quite powerful. We have to be careful about that player. So, um, since it is a multiplayer game where you can gang up on one uh, other person, uh, balance might be less important than in, uh, say, StarCraft, where you compete against one other player. So, uh, in a two versus two, uh, sorry, one versus one kind of game, it is more important to have it balanced, but if you are uh, ten different players, uh, you're always weaker than the two players that gang up on you. So tell me in the course of the development, who, what faction have you most had to either nerf or make more powerful? Which faction has been the most difficult for you to deal with? Uh, the ones that have been, have been hardest to balance are definitely the strange ones, like Armor and like uh, late... Uh, the the Lovecraft late uh, nation. It's uh, Underwater nations. To pronounce earlier. <laughs> Underwater nations are a bit difficult since uh, they can uh, sort of sit and turtle uh, in their sea. If you have one player that uh, 
uh, conquers every sea nation, they can sit down there and just uh, turtle up their power. So uh, those uh, have been a bit uh, difficult. So uh, the game works better if uh, everyone plays land nations, but it's quite fun to have uh, those underwater nations as well, I think. And I'm glad you bring that up because that's one of that to me is almost the perfect example of both the unique charm and the the challenge of dominions is that an underwater nation is basically playing on his own map. He can't be touched and he gets to determine when he's ready to start fighting wars and furthermore, where he wants to come ashore and do it. Uh, I, I can't think of that dynamic in any other strategy game. Uh, it's absolutely unique to dominions and it arguably breaks the game, and I think that's okay. Like that's a beautiful thing about it. Uh, uh, and by the way, I want to say uh, I feel bad now for for uh, calling. It looks like burritos is how I would pronounce the name of the race as well. I'm looking at it right here, and sure enough, burritos. Yeah, just like you guys said. I don't know what my issue was. Uh, since part of the reason we want to talk to you guys today is we're we're all very excited about Dominion's Four. Um, you, you mentioned the new Pangean nation has some distinct mechanic. Uh, can, can you tell us some specifics about some of the new factions in Dominions 4? Mm, we can talk about uh, Asphodel then. Um, it's, uh, in the early era, there was uh, a Pangea that had uh, Satyrs and Kentaurs uh, and uh, Minotaurs. And uh, in, uh, in the Middle Age, Middle Era, or whatever you call it, uh, part of the the nation has um, become frustrated with uh, the coming of civilization and turned to darker uh, turned to darker god and uh, uh, want to um, avenge the world and avenge um, uh, the forests that are being chopped down. So um, uh, living vines and roots uh, reanimate dead carcasses of. Uh, Swine and uh, wolves and bears and uh, start to uh, yeah, kill uh, kill humanity and try to reclaim uh, the uh, some kind of uh, woodland um, uh, some kind of haunted woodland you'd say and um, this nation makes uh, the population in uh, population in the uh, provinces they control uh, die and uh, instead. Uh, uh, Reanimated beasts of uh, roots, vines, and uh, uh, bones uh, start to walk and uh, attack uh, and uh, yeah, try to conquer the world. Now, and, uh, I want to hmm? stop you there real quick, Christopher, because I, when you're describing this, it sounds enormously imaginative. Uh, I, I love the picture it paints of this faction. But now what I'm wondering is how do you translate this into gameplay? And is that something where Johan now has to come in and you guys work together? And sometimes he has to tell you, no, we can't make this work. Uh, explain, for instance, with this faction, how you start expressing it in terms of gameplay mechanics and whether that causes any friction with what Johan has to do. Well, this one was quite easy because uh, in Dominion's, what is Dominion's free? We had a global spell that was called uh, what was Carrying it called? Carrying Woods. Carrying Woods, yes. That uh, had this effect. It uh, reanimated the corpses and uh, turned them into vine beings. 
So we already had the mechanics uh, ready. And uh, the mechanics in that one came from Dominions 2, where we uh, there was a theme that uh, was inspired by uh, that used uh, somewhat of the same mechanics. But since uh, Ermor had a reanimation mechanic, it was not that difficult to remake it into uh, reanimating other kinds of dead instead. So the whole uh, Carrying Woods and uh, Asphodel setting uh, was uh, came from the uh, old Ermorian uh, mechanics. So it was not that difficult to make this particular thing. But uh, in most cases, I ask uh, Johan if um, is the is this possible to do, and he says, uh, "Ah, it's not fun. I, I'll try to do something." Or he says, uh, "Ah," and uh, just <laughs> falls silent. <laughs> and then I know I, I should ask something else instead. <laughs> well, has there been any? Have you guys to follow up on Tom's question because I think it's a fascinating uh, question to, to consider. Is there anything that you guys have like tried to do? mechanically that you know from from a conceptual standpoint it sounded really neat right. like oh we should do this <laughs> and then you kind of got into the gameplay coding and thought oh man this is now this isn't going to work yeah we had a few large ideas for Dominion's 4 that we wanted to make but uh, it was just uh, too much it was uh, among other it was uh, real time battles that would have been quite nice to have um, all the units move at once and strike at once. But uh, that's a very large change. And uh, we had a few other changes that we, or at least would I wanted to try, like uh, having a, a real uh, 3D map where you could uh, move without provinces, with cities on it, and uh, you could move real distances. But it sounds like as far as fictions, you guys are... Uh, uh, factions. I mean, you guys are pretty much fearless. Like whatever Christopher yeah. comes up with, you're willing to give it a shot and put it into the game. It sounds like. Yeah, if if it sounds fun, then uh, I'm willing to put it into the game. <laughs> um, the stuff with factions are a lot easier than the large ideas I just mentioned. Well, you guys actually. So Johan was talking about the. Um, um, idea of real time things being real time and and moving precisely on the map you guys actually started working on a game that uh, it'll you know it'll be in the manual in the, de- in the designer's notes but we can talk about it a little bit here you guys had a game called trade and taint which you thought uh um would be uh, you had a lot of ideas that you were going to translate to dominions uh for but it actually didn't work out tell us a little bit about how you came up with trade and taint no, after Dominion's uh, ideas started, almost in Dominion's 2, um, uh, we had ideas on uh, uh, on a scourge and uh, something about uh, taint levels that uh, increased in the casting of uh, spells and rituals that would, uh, uh, in the long term, destroy the entire world in Dominion's. So if you cast a uh, lot of uh, ritual spells, it would affect the world and magic levels would rise everywhere until uh, there was some kind of disaster. And uh, um, it was after uh, Dominion 3 that we started to do something about uh, another kind of game. But uh, um, ideas from uh, those ideas were incorporated in those new ideas. Uh, the new game was uh, more of a Star Sonata uh, kind of fancy game. And um, I have not played much of Star Sonata, so you one will have to explain a bit. Yeah, that was a very fun game. I played it a lot with uh, Christopher's brother, uh, 
the other one. Uh, Star Sonata is a trading game set in space. You buy ships and you travel between the planets. You buy cheap and you sell expensive. And when you have got a lot of money, then you can build uh, your own store bases and start producing stuff. And uh, then you can build you can build warships as well and shoot other players and uh, things like that. So it, it was very fun. So uh, I wanted to make a similar uh, game, but with the fantasy setting. And also after Dominion 3, I wanted uh, something different to program on. I wanted a real-time game instead of this uh, turn-based thing. I just wanted to ask about that uh, that part of it, it uh, Johan. From from your perspective, um, programming. I mean, do do some of the things that happen in the Dominions games and or whatever guy, games you guys make uh, have to do with you trying to find new programming challenges and kind of uh, you know? I wonder if I could do this, and then you. you... <laughs> well, um, part of it, I, I guess, um, but not much in uh, Dominions Three, I would say. It just sounds like the whole game develops very organically. You know, you're you're looking for new things to program, and Christopher is looking for new kind of themes and mechanics, and and you sort of just talk about them and 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 put things together, and they just kind of work out. I mean, thanks. That's one of the things for me that makes the game so. One of the things that makes the game so great is that it just feels like it's it it's things just seem pretty spontaneous. Uh, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we don't we don't and plan so, much. <laughs> When, but it, but it, it seems to work out. I mean, the, whatever it is about your guys' collaboration, it just seems to work out so well. Um, <laughs> it works out fine until we got beta testers, and they say we, you have to do this and you have to do that, and then you have to scratch yeah. your head and wonder, mm, perhaps we have to do that, or mm, boring, right. <laughs> boring, boring. <laughs> but uh, it, it almost mm. sounds like the beta testers are your bosses or your publishers, <laughs> almost. <laughs> Well, uh, tell us about a little bit about some of the. There are a couple changes that I was wondering about in um, in in Dominion's Four that are made. One of them is you know you and and they for people who haven't played the games before, they may, these might seem very mundane and kind of um, and insignificant. But to me, they're a tremendous uh, uh, change in terms of some of the micromanagement that has to happen. For example, there's no more taxation in the game. Uh, the income that you earn from your provinces. It used to be that each in each for the listeners who haven't played, uh, you know, Dominions is a, the world is a sort of a province-based map, and on each province there's different terrain that the you know you can have unrest. The Dominion scales change, so each province earns you uh, quite a bit different income. And another thing that you could used to do was be able to change the individual taxation of each province, and that's gone now. Um, and I was wondering what, how, why you guys, because it seems like in Dominions 4 you took some things out. Uh, for example, uh, also there used to be, you know, everybody used to have a million, um, or there, overall there were just what seemed like a million different uh, fortresses. And now there are basically four with some, some enhancements. Why did you guys make those changes to pare things down? The taxation thing. I, I really didn't like the way the taxation was used when you conquered provinces that you thought you would lose, then you put uh, the tax to 200%. So you use taxation in order to ruin provinces. And uh, I didn't really like that. You should, you, you should pillage your province if you want to ruin it. You shouldn't just raise the tax. 
um, it was a, it was a case of it not not being very realistic. Uh, yeah. if you're going to get that much money out of the um, peasants that you, they're probably going to lose a lot of peasants. And uh, also the taxation uh, added extra extra work to do in the turn, so I didn't. That's true. There was no loss in getting rid of it. I thought. Mm-hmm. So I like now the Swedes have given us a, a flat tax rate, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. that's right. That's true. And, uh, does uh, it? Did it? Uh, what? Do we lose anything by not having those sliders? Because I certainly don't miss them at all. Not having the option to change the number. Uh, I don't miss them either. I, I always use the uh, auto tax feature anyway, except when you wanted to destroy a province, and uh, I don't want the tax to be used for that. Uh, I have a question about what, what to me is the biggest uh, the biggest change that leaps out as me as I'm playing, that leaps out at me as, as I'm playing, and that is this option for uh, battle formations, um, which I, it makes me think of the games that Creative Assembly has been making, Total War Rome 2 most recently, um, which is all about setting formations in, in battle and then controlling them in 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 the context of a real-time strategy game. But it seems here, it's given me a little bit of that flavor. Uh, Even though the battles unfold automatically for the most part, I can queue up commands in advance. But it adds this whole new layer of setting up my forces, um, which is arguably what Dominions 4 is all about. I I have a faction, I grow that faction, I develop it, and the, the point of developing it is to create these armies full of these wonderfully imaginative little toys. So with the formations, I can arrange these toys in very specific ways so that when I meet another army and the two armies bang into each other, it's giving me that much more uh, detail to play with. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy you say that because that's how I feel uh, Dominions uh, came about in the in the start. Uh, it began as... Uh, a tactical battle and uh, the provinces etc was uh, uh, a way to get yourself uh, a nice uh, army that you can bash another army with so uh, i think that's uh, uh, that's where dominion started you have an army and you want to try that army versus another army right yeah and and you furthermore uh, finessed it with this idea of the undisciplined stat which means only the, the, I guess it's the skirmish can be used. Like if you have undisciplined units, that's a particular trait for a unit. It limits what formations you can use. You have what look like very clearly labeled morale bonuses based on how you set up squads. Um, so it seems like obviously this, this to me seems like a huge change in Dominions 4 is I have more detail and more control over these little tactical battles. Uh. Yeah, except for the undisciplined units. I, I quite like them. They, You put them on the battlefield and they always charge from the beginning. <laughs> it, they're, they're sort of cannon fodder, the human wave. You just send those guys ahead. Yeah, you uh, guys run yeah. up there and get killed while the better guys hang back here and do the more organized business. And they, are, they are usually uh, animals. And animals and barbarians. Like like mm-hmm. yeah. Wild people, wild animals. <laughs> Well, it seems to me like that, you know, the the thing that many people found kind of opaque about Dominions was that the um, a lot of things happened sort of, you know, you didn't quite know why they were happening. And so um, it was difficult to, uh, to sort of control and people kind of, 
didn't know how to approach it. And I think that you've done a lot in the game to try to make that a little more transparent. There's so many more tool tips, the, uh, exactly just like those formations. All of a sudden you see, you know, plus two morale and you mouse over. Why does he have plus two morale or why does he have minus one morale? And it, and it tells you, and that, that seems to be much more, um, uh, straightforward for the players was that I assume that was that was conscious. You guys keep adding information to the game that's visible. Yeah, that, that's right. And we have added a, a really huge amount of these uh, special ability icons, so you can see what special ability the units have. So that's easy. And now. explanations and pop-ups. So uh, that uh, uh, that makes it um, quite hard to go back and try uh, Dominions Three if you um, try it. So uh, I'm. <laughs> I like the new interface a lot more than I did the uh, Dominions 3 uh, interface. And this, uh, when we made these icons, it made um, made it easier to add them to the modding part as well. So there's been a lot of new modding commands, so it should be much more moddable than the new game. Yeah. Um, th- furthermore, in the, in, the, in the game, you've added uh, what I think probably is the biggest change to the to the game is the uh, ability to play in teams with what's uh, called a disciple game. Um, I think that's something that the, uh, the previous games, you know, everybody was always trying to um, find a way to do that, but obviously because thematically it didn't really work, you had a um, you had a bunch of pretender gods and there was, can only be one god in the end, so it's kind of hard to play on teams. Somebody's going to have to betray somebody at the, in the end game. Uh, so you basically just change the mythology in a sense that now uh, some of the players are just disciples and uh, one of the players on each team is the pretender. Tell, tell us a little bit about how that came to pass. Well, and first explain how it works because I've seen the option but I haven't tried it because I haven't played multiplayer yet. Uh, explain for folks listening, how exactly does this work? Well, you have um, one pretender per team as usual and this pretender can have uh, uh, multiple disciples so one uh, one of the players in the team is uh, the king player, so to, uh, so to speak, and the others are his uh, uh, sub uh, sub commanders or whatever. And uh, everyone controls their own nation uh, as usual. But uh, for some people, it's different that they don't have God and they don't have their own dominion. Instead, they have their a disciple, and they spread the dominion of their god instead. So it's the same dominion for all players on the same team. So then if I'm the king player, for instance, and you three are all my disciples... Uh, a pretender player. Pretender player, pretender. Or, or king. I'm okay with king or pretender, whichever you want to call oh, me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm liking the way this works, by the way. Uh, and you three are all the, the disciples. Do I... I get my own nation, I get a, a castle and a pretender, and you guys only get, what, a castle? and We get uh, a nation, and we get a castle, okay. and we get uh, a disciple, a monster or archmage or something that is uh, quite powerful, but not as powerful as uh, the pretender god. Uh, okay. Possibly more physically powerful, possibly more magically powerful, but not uh, uh, the whole package, so to speak. You basically have 350 points, right, to design a deci- uh, to design a pretender, but only 300 to design a, a disciple. Yep. Uh, and then the disciples also have to be um, there. So <clears throat> as you know, you can, uh, or as Tom knows, but the listeners might know, you can actually 
these are pretenders are sort of your main units uh, that um, have a physical form. They have magic powers. They have uh, combat powers if you so choose, and they have scales. Um, so the disciples don't have the scales uh, and the dominion, and they also uh, you can get more points by bringing your unit in later, which is what Dominions Three introduced: the idea of the awakening. So if you're uh, dormant or imprisoned, you come. You, you get that unit later on in the game, but you get more points to design the unit. Um, and the disciples can only be, uh, they can they have to be one more level awake than the pretender. So if you choose to get, you know, an extra however many points for your pretender, you can't necessarily get those for the disciple. Uh, you'll always have more points to design the pretender. So the pretender will always be more powerful than the disciple, well, which is a great thematic thing as well. But doesn't the pretender also have to use those points to boost the scales like productivity and magic and... Or get those extra come out points. of my points. As... You can get negative scales and get extra points. So, uh, okay. uh, but I'm determining for you guys what the scales are for our dominion, right? Like I'm yes. in charge of setting. Okay. And right. if you get uh, yourself uh, very strong uh, uh, magic powers on your pretender, we all get to share your pretender's bless abilities on our sacred mm -hmm. troops. Now here's the here's the difficult part, and I know this was a challenge for you guys in the in the previous games. Uh, specifically when people said we want diplomacy or we want ways to play cooperatively. Uh, can our, our armies coexist in one province? Do we still have that issue of having to maneuver around each other? No. Yeah, we can. Uh, you can uh, stay in the same province. <laughs> so uh, if you are, uh, all allies in the team can uh, exist in the same province. And uh, Oh, uh, wow. That that must have been a huge challenge, Johan. Like getting that to work, or with the with the current system. We made it the easy way. You can be in the same province, but when you have battles, then you fight one nation at a time. So ah, mm -hmm. it, there are always two nations in each battle. So you don't have, uh, yeah, you don't have uh, the, the battles where you and your disciple are in the same battle. Right, but theoretically, then, if somebody stumbles, if we have all four of our armies in one province, and s some enemy player stumbles into that province, he has to contend with all four of our armies yep. just one separately in yes. separate yep. battles. Right, right, right. I like this, so I'd I'd like you guys to call me sire for the rest <laughs> of the podcast. <population. laughs> Uh, that's got to be a huge. I mean, I can, I can imagine people who play this multiplayer must be immensely excited about this new feature. Mm, I hope so. Uh, it uh, we during the tests we've done, it uh, has been uh, uh, very much fun uh, to play two versus two, or uh, four versus four, or three versus three versus three versus three. So it's uh, it's been great fun. Uh, I I think it's quite fun with these uh, pre-designed teams. You you can cut down on the diplomacy, and uh, and uh, you still get to draw up plans with your uh, teammates, and you can do so from the beginning. Uh, it, it reminds me, I believe it was in, in Conquest of Elysium, don't you like pick a leader in an army race? Or There was that kind of combo mode you could do with the the uh, different races cooperating, I guess. Like you could set up a team in Conquest of Elysium, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you had a, a traditional team star. Uh, now, uh, I al I'm almost reluctant to ask this, but uh, d does the AI work with this? Can I do this with an AI You can. A players? I think that's uh, quite good as well. Uh, so if you uh, want some more challenge without making uh, the uh, enemy nations uh, overly cheating in the costs, etc., 
then you can make um, a team of AI players, uh, three or four, versus yourself. And uh, it works quite well, I'd say. And you can also give yourself a disciple, or you can yes. be a disciple. My understanding from, from the way I've been playing the game and testing it is that there's basically no limitation on it, right? I mean, you can, you can set up a, as long as there's only one pretender per team, then you can play against a t- you know you can play against two teams of three guys each uh, as the AI. You can play a- against uh, a team of three, and you can have one disciple. You can have no disciples. They can have you know a, a pretender and two disciples or five if they want. You, you basically it's 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 pretty it's pretty wide open. Yeah, yes, it is. Yep. Uh, are the is the Thrones of Ascension victory condition is that new or was that in Dominion Three? That's new. Uh, there were some uh, victory conditions in uh, Dominion 3, but uh, uh, I don't think it was much used uh, by players. Uh, I'm quite fond of victory conditions myself, but uh, the Thrones made it uh, seem more thematically logical. And uh, when we added um, bless effects and uh, uh, effects on the Dominion, and uh, 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 when you call it Thrones of Ascension and just not just... Uh, victory points it felt more like it was some uh, something that uh, um, it felt like a a godly place (laughs) or or whatever felt felt thematic yeah Yeah. a a little flavor goes a long way absolutely yes because i love these so tell specifically how they work because i love the mix of thrones i like the effect for capturing them uh tell for someone who's only played dominions 3 what's this deal with the new thrones of ascension how do they work you need a certain amount of thrones in order to ascend and become the true god. So, in a map you might have uh, five thrones or something. And uh, for each throne you conquer, you become uh, you come a little bit closer to becoming the You can think god. of them as uh, remnants of the old Pantocrator's uh, powers or his uh, special places or palaces or something. Yeah. And uh, when you conquer, conquer a throne, then you get some new powers. So, for instance, your sacred truth might uh, get an um, awe ability or maybe fire resistance or something after you have conquered a flame throne. And there, there are lo- the thrones have multiple levels too, correct? There's uh, the yeah. weaker thrones and more powerful thrones. And um, they are, are different thrones, like uh, throne of flames and throne of... Uh, bureaucracy that uh, brings order to your uh, empire and uh, there is the throne of the Pantocrator that is the old god and that gives you a huge amount of dominion and th- these are visible on these are visible on the map uh, correct as, as the way I've been playing it because you can you, you if you turn on the thrones you can see them right they don't yes. just show up uh, accidentally I mean, yes you uh, you know where all the thrones are but you don't know which thrones or which, so right. you have to go there to see what effect it has. So it's kind of like the old victory points because you could see the victory points on the map before as well. Yes. Well, it, it it strikes me as almost exactly like victory points, but not as dry. I mean, it's victory points that are that also give you some sort of a bonus that's thematically tied into the the, the world building, which is what I love about it. Uh, and is the idea that once I a throne gives me a certain amount of I think you might call them god points or something, but uh, once I get a certain number of points worth of thrones, uh, do I automatically win just like that? Um, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you have to claim the thrones first, and you need um, 
a high-level priest or one of your disciples to claim it. Or your mm -hmm. pretender god. So someone has to claim it to call it, uh, this is the throne uh, of... Uh, <laughs> your god. Yeah. You can't just move some... Uh, Cheap ass army in there with a commander and say, "Hey, this is it," because well, that doesn't work. That <laughs> yeah, a throne needs uh, a very particular kind of a butt sitting on it. You can't just have some <laughs> random guy, <laughs> right. uh -huh. yeah. as we know from English history, for instance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, see, this is very. The game is very realistic. Um, so, you guys were were uh, uh, just were coming to the end of the show, but I wanted you guys to have a chance to. Uh, sort of touch on anything, and and Tom also to ask any questions that about things we haven't haven't addressed. Anything about the about Dominions Four that you're particularly like, or or maybe particularly interested in seeing if it works, or uh, any other uh, things that um, that may have come up during the development. I'll point out one thing that I love that you guys did. So it used to be that um, one of when you first start playing Dominions, you you might get this sense that there's a whack-a-mole sensibility of my army's just chasing someone else's army around, and then when my army's over here, he just moves a cheap army down there, and I'm just I'm just running around chasing armies. And and the first step beyond that is understanding like how defenses work. Is that you can set up defenses in your provinces and previously defenses kind of felt just like a money sink. Like I set a certain amount of money for this province's defenses, and there might have been a tooltip telling me what that would get me. But I love now that as I pump money into a province's defenses, it visually shows me the army that will be generated. So it feels more like I'm actually building forces there to, to cover my, my border. Uh, it, and, and it doesn't make it feel like my army has to do all the work. It makes it clear that, hey, I'm planting an army here, this specific army for this specific amount of money. Uh, I really like that feature quite a bit. Yeah, that reminds me, I, I quite like the new defense system as well, where you get uh, native defenders in uh, all the provinces. Previously, you got your own nation's defender everywhere. Ah. But now you get barbarians if you have a barbarian province, and you get uh, tribesmen in a tribesman province. So that's fantastic because a lot of times in a in a province that had a different race or that had barbarians or whatever, I just would never bother recruiting there, so I would never really see those units. Uh, that's a wonderful way to bring those into play. Yeah, and it also kind of makes the uh, the the it balances a little bit the fact that some of the uh, some of the nations like. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe like Niflheim or something would would have, or or Jotunheim uh, would have great province defense simply because their units individually were, you know, they're giants. Right. So, you know, versus having somebody like, you know, man who might, you know, 20 points of man province strength is, is quite different from 20 points of Jotunheim province strength. Um, so rather than having to fight with, you know, well, this should cost more and that way, now you just have the, you know, what, whatever is in the province. I think it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great change. And it also just, it really highlights for me how much you can, uh, sort of bring somebody into a game just by showing them visually what's happening. Because, you know, there, it seemed like, I think with Dominions 2, uh, Dominion's one. I, I'm not sure as many people have played. That's the you know. I think the the, the real big change is, as I think Christopher had mentioned before, was the big big change to me seemed to be between Dominion's one and two in the in the visual presentation. But in Dominion's two, there was so much that was going on that you really didn't know about unless somebody specifically sort of and explicitly told you. Whereas one of the themes of uh, themes. Uh, 
no pun intended, of Dominions 4 is to have um, is to have so much information be available. Just when you when you when you click on a screen, you see what's going on, uh, and uh, you know the 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 thing that Tom mentioned, the militia uh, or the province defense. You know, you always got those. Um, and it worked exactly the same way, but all you have to do is show the player, look, you're, you're getting these 20 spearmen, and all of a sudden it makes such a big difference in the game. Uh, since uh, this is another new aspect, I believe, you've previously worked with Shrapnel. They've published the games. Um, this is self-published, or this is still with Shrapnel? I, I apologize for not knowing. This is uh, self-published. So that must be a fan. That's I, I I hear that, and my first response is to say congratulations. I mean, that's that's oh, I think you. deal fantastic news. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's very easy to self-publish now with uh, the Sura and. Uh, it's a very different world, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to let folks listening know, the current situation is, uh, I, I believe it, it's still in beta, right? Like, is there a date where this is version 1.0? It's released. Um, What's the current situation with the build and availability? I think when the manual is done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, are, we are still hoping to get the manual soon. But, uh, our, our new release date is um, uh, next week. We hope for next, next week. I'm assuming that uh, the manual writer gets them the manual in time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, so. I'm really disappointed that I can't do this with the new manual, but uh, it, as I said, it is a very different world now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we too. We would like a hard copy manual, really. Well, you know, I, it's yeah. not like I can't take it to Kinko's, the PDF, and say, here, guys, you know, print this out for me. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you could, it'll, be, it'll be in a format that, you know, people can take, obviously, and print. Uh, it'll be very, you know, there are a lot of similarities to the Dominion's 3 manual. Um, but, uh, yeah, just getting that thing in the mail with the spiral-bound Manual. That's. I think that's. Uh, that's for a different time and a different uh, different era that's gone now. Um, well, it's almost but, full uh, circle because Lord knows I remember printing out all those lists of spells and magic items <laughs> from the earlier Dominions, <laughs> and then taking manually putting the little three ring, putting each the pages yeah. in a three ring punch, and then putting yeah. in a big fat binder and having that yeah. sit on my desk. So. Uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, uh, the the I should point out for people who are listening and have never played any of these games, Dominions Three is going to be soon available on Steam. Yes, uh, it is available on Steam now. Oh, available on Steam now. Yes. Okay, so because it got I know it got greenlit recently, so it is it is actually on Steam now. Yeah, so yeah. you can you can go to Steam and buy Dominions Three. Um, but if that shouldn't prevent you from uh, buying Dominions 4, which is going to be on desura.com, is that correct? That's correct. And hopefully it will be on a Gamerskate as well. Gamerskate. Okay, now is there... Do you guys have any plans on trying to get that on Steam also, or does that depend on the Dominions 3? Mm, I think we'll try to get it on Steam as well, but uh, uh, the last one took quite a while uh, after we first were interested. So... Uh uh, uh, it might take a, cu- a couple of months. I don't know. Uh, no idea. So don't, don't, don't hold out for Steam if you're interested in Dominions Four. It's it'll be available for download uh, from Desura uh, and maybe Gamersgate, and uh, we will have a link to some uh, Dominions resources at the bottom of the podcast. So uh, thank you guys for uh, for joining us uh, from Sweden. We loved. I I love. I I have to. 
I say that I, you know, I've loved the series. I, I came into, I think Tom actually found out about Dominions back in Dominions 1. I, I started with the series in, with Dominions 2, but uh, have loved it ever since I, um, and since I learned about it. And uh, that's why I wrote the manual and I'm uh, writing the manual again. And uh, once I uh, finish up this podcast, I will get back to writing the manual. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> sounds nice. Uh, thank you for inviting us to the show. Thanks for coming, and Tom. Thank you for uh, for being on the show with us and um, uh, spanning the, uh, the the wide world of time zones to uh, make this possible. I have to change my answer from earlier. I see that already there is someone doing a Game of Thrones mod, so uh, I'm holding out for an, uh, <laughs> it is? an, el- yeah, an Elf Stones. I need an Elf Stones of Shannara mod. Someone please. Get that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. Uh, you guys thank have you. a good night and. Uh, Uh, Three Moves Ahead listeners, we will see you next week. Goodbye.